tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, Mad Men fans. Welcome back to the Mad Men After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Talking about Season 7, Episode 12, Lost Horizon. I'm Matt Lieberman. Joining me on the panel, Sterling Cates is here. Hello, hello. And Joseph Sanfilippo is nice here. Nice to be here with you guys. Yes, unfortunately, Joe Braswell could not join us today. Uh, we wish him well, and hopefully he'll be back next week. It's because he's a bad person. It's because he's a terrible person <laughs> with priorities in the wrong place. Because exactly. this was a fantastic episode of television. He doesn't get to talk about it. That's it. But it's He's the one who loses here. No soup for him. That's true. Not even the crab bisque? No, nothing. None. <laughs> that is the definition of no soup. We can't just give him some. All right, that's fair. You're right. You you have morals. You have standards. I, I'm, not, I'm not just giving that man soup. Yeah, so the title of the episode, Lost Horizon, uh, relates to the 1933 novel of the same name, which is the first time that the concept of the city of Shangri-La was put out into pop culture. It was later made into a, a film, I believe, four years later by Frank Capra. Um, and uh, the whole episode is really about everyone's satisfaction or lack thereof with uh, McCann Erickson, which is supposed to be this incredible place. He, he, Jim Hobart pitched it last week as as a- heaven. Advertising yeah. heaven. Advertising heaven. But it seems like heaven is not great. In fact, it's full of really terrible people and crappy politics. Doing really, really terrible things. Mm-hmm. And and they don't seem to really care one way or the other if uh, who gets hurt. It's very interesting. It's it's like uh, it's it's fun to, to look at it and see how, how far uh, SBDC, I'm sorry. SC and Partners. SCMP. SCMP. SCMP moved forward over the last seven seasons, and then to see how how just how the rest of the world didn't. And McCann Erickson is just like, uh, no, mm-hmm. absolutely not. I'm not. Who who told you you could get mad? Yeah. yeah. Well, in comparison to SCMP, it makes McCann Erickson look very much. Not as progressive as SCMP was, and when we talked about SCMP in the past, we you know talked about how you know it's not necessarily the best place to work, no. especially if you're a woman. But then it, it compared to McCann Erickson, it looks it looks downright uh, heavenly yeah, again, right, exactly. heavenly. Yeah, because uh, God, Joan's story is one for the ages, and we're going to break that down. But first, I want to talk about Don, who, uh, at the top of this episode, he's winding his way through these narrow freaking corridors. And I really have to appreciate uh, what the production design team did and what the cinematographers did to really make it feel cramped, uncomfortable, confined. Like, there was a beauty and an elegance to how uh, SCNP's office was laid out. It was very open. It was very free. There was a lot of light. And this place looks, it looks like a prison. It looks like something mice would run through. Uh, which, you know, a lot of offices of the time felt that way. But I kind of got this distinct impression, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this, um, that McCann is kind of like one of those large armies that, you know, to attack a problem, they'll just throw wave after wave of men at it until the problem has been extinguished. Versus SCNP, they didn't have that kind of resources. They had to use their brains. They had to use strategy. But this is a company 
with at least I mean there were at least like 14 men in that room uh, yeah. in the um, in the Miller director. yeah 14 Only. creative directors and that was half of them yeah yeah, it, it, to me, it's interesting to, to to watch a company kind of evolve and watch it develop. And they did they do such a great job here, showing like being hungry is 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 uh, is in a lot of part in a lot of time it's the easy part, right? And then what do you do once you grow big enough that you're not hungry, you're not in danger of folding? And then McCann is what happens when you grow big enough, you're definitely not in danger of folding. You've you've achieved enough weight as a as a as an organization that your weight alone can continue for you to carry business. It's not necessarily about whether or not you had the most creative, interesting pitch. It's about the size of your... It's about your ad buy. Yeah. It's yeah. about how much influence you have with the New York Times. It's about... The, the how, name behind it. Yeah, right. it's coming from McCann is enough... Is enough said there? And it's so interesting to see, you know, to see them talk to, you know, to see him talk to, uh, to talk to Joan, to see uh, uh, what's his name, talk to Joan, um, Dennis or Ferg, uh, Dennis. To be like, I, I don't need the business. You can just see it, like Avon. Uh, okay, fine, I'll lose Avon. You know? Oh, a Jim, a Jim, Jim Hubbard. Yeah, it's just it's so fascinating just to to kind of get out of that mindset, and that's and it's supposed to be jarring. I think that's the plan. We're supposed to feel uh, that it's almost uh, almost assaulting. Mm-hmm. Which is why ultimately Don makes this daring escape, this midday escape. Uh, But before he does, I want to talk about a few quick things. First of all, in his office, the Don is going to die diehard shippers. And and no shipping traditionally in in media is just about two people getting together, but people who are obsessed with the idea that Don is going to jump from a window in the finale, well, I'm sure we're clamoring for it as he goes up to that window and he's trying to see where the... Well, not even. I don't even know if he's trying to open it. I feel like he's trying to see where the where the howling is coming yeah. from. And he puts his hands against the howling, stops. He brings it back, and the howling just continues. Um, and it's like even in this place where it is hermetically sealed and there is no escape, there still is this howling wind that he would have to contend with. Um, and I just thought it was a really great piece of imagery. Then he meets with Jim and Ferg, and uh, they he flat out like almost forces him to say it. He wants him to say oh, it. Oh, he does because he worked. For 10 years. I love that he talked about the fact that it was 10 years to land this white whale. And now that you're mine, I want you to say that you're mine. Yes, say you it. have to say it. Absolutely, yeah. and and, for, uh, and and the impression of him. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! What a horrible oh, impression! Terrible, right? This is the this is the guy oh, who's very important around here. Ferg is very important around right. here, and he is the worst impression. He was doing like a, a, a Nixon. It did. It felt like a Nixon. I wish yeah. it was back this week so that we could talk to him. About I know. That. Well, <laughs> I'm furious that he's not here this week yeah. because last week we were treating him. You know, like oh, you're just being a little unfair. I wanted to slug him. Yeah, I wanted to slug him. This, no wonder he wouldn't tell us what was going on this week because I would have slugged him right then and there. Right, yeah. I gotta say, sometimes we get a little bit juvenile and we blame actors for things they didn't actually do. <laughs> I you know. know it's not him; it's the writers. It's Matthew Weiner, but still, he did a fantastic job at making me hate him. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll give him a compliment. You know what I loved about it is is, is the way he, the way he put the character together was really terrific because you didn't feel at any point that he as the character felt he was out of line at all. No. Right. He's Not like, at all. What are you guys mad about? I'm doing everything right. Yeah. Well, last week when he was here, he talked about that's usually the character he plays on TV anyway. It's kind of the bad guy who is good at being the bad guy. And he did that on One Tree Hill, and I think it's yeah. just really natural mm-hmm. for him. So Yeah. Uh, so Don goes up to this uh, 
diet beer meeting, the first meeting about creating Miller Lite, which I was so fascinated. I wanted to see the meeting. I wanted to see the process. But Don had to be selfish and want to be happy with his life, so he had to leave (laughs) in the middle of the day. But I want to contrast briefly the actions taken by Don and Joan in this episode. Because what Joan is doing, even though it is, you know, it is self-serving to try to get the money that she deserves, the fact is she's been screwed over by this company. She deserves her money. There's no reason why she shouldn't have it. Uh, versus Don, who he's got everything that, that he wanted. He could still sell this product and have a great time doing it, but then he just up and abandons everyone, abandons the business, abandons his post in the middle of a pitch, something that Joan would not do. The reason why she is trying to get her money is because she demands professionalism above all else, and this is a guy who no longer values it. I, I also think there's something to be said for the amount of money involved. I mean, Joan and, and what Joan had to do to get said money. Oh! Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, it's a surprise. Kevin Undergaro, Ladies and gentlemen, our executive Kevin producer, Undergaro. is here in the studio with us. You want to talk about the episode? No, Kevin? I want to talk. First, I want to say to you guys, you're doing such a great job on this show. Oh, thank you. I listen every week. Uh, I'm a diehard Madman fan. I'm sad. I'm beyond sad it's going away. But you, thank you so much because... It's just great, all of you, the four of you, and I wish Joe was here as well. The other Joe, Joe, Joe B was here as well. But it's like you guys are just killing it, and you're helping fill in so many gaps for me. Um, and you're not missing much, you know. Nobody's mentioned has why, why Don's got the the New York Mets. Just very interesting, you know. The, mm-hmm. Did you see some of the production design stuff? Yeah, and there was a uh, a Mets cap oh, in today. in yes. Peggy's office. Yeah, and and uh, and just also the uh, the outfit. Changes, Joe. You see, Peggy's green, and then her, and then her red, yellow, and then just like, the red. oh, I, l- oh my god. Anyway, it's I, the most gifable it, moment it, maybe it, in the it, entire series. You know, I just hope that we can see a masterpiece like this again. It, 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 it's beautiful to watch. But I, about that one point for for me, it was. I think I go to what Joe said. Remember that was blood money. Mm-hmm. How she got there, oh, and, it, and I think, and I think in life when you cut corners or you do something, there's got to be some kind of come up and he even says that which was awful one of the protagonists uh, the antagonist said to her you know and i don't even know what you did no okay first of all kevin i I meant to go this is the second topic is joan but if you want to get into no no i don't i don't i don't even want to interrupt your show i just i just want to say (laughs) i just saw you up on the screen and go oh my god they're talking i just had a violent reaction i was trying and i was trying to download the show last night so bad Mm because i was i was jonesing but by the way i i'm just saying i think that I I'm a, the big Joan fan. I love that she, that she. I understand why she had to do what she did, mm-hmm. but I just wonder if it isn't the writer, Weiner, whoever, saying this is kind of like blood money. You know, when you do, you know, what I'm saying when you when you have to sell your soul, Matt. You know that, right? It's not going to go your way. And we've seen everyone on the show, well, many of them have, in one way or another, sold pieces of their soul. And what you guys have hit on mm-hmm. is that. You know, when Don dropped his kids off at the house, that was a wonderful, beautiful ending. And, you know, we've had all these great endings. And just like you said, Matt, last week, it was all we were all going down to almost have a, 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 a three-peat, in, in a sense, where yeah. it was going to end, where they saved the day, and they, and not this time. Nope. Right. Everyone's falling short, and all the different decisions, it's it's just hitting everybody. But to me, 
I was thrilled for her because she got 250 and she never has to see any of them again. Now, it does cost her career, which sucks, but I'd like to think there's a I'd like to think someone as smart as Joan there's there's a place for her somewhere. Oh, 100%. In the business and ecosystem. There's yeah. no there is no one saying that this is the end uh, of her career or her ability to uh, have a career or anything like that. But for me, I violently disagree with your read of the other woman back in season 5. And of this episode. I personally see that episode and this episode as as just an utter failure on the part of the men in her life who are supposed to treat her as an equal. And her finally standing up for that and wanting to stand up for that and taking the money was the wrong decision that she made for the right reasons. Let me ask you a question. I think taking the money was the right decision because at McCann, that's not the place for her to do because she has sacrificed so much to get to where she was yes. at CMP, and then this is just not the place because none of these guys that work there are ever going to respect a woman. They're way too far along, and to work under. under so, a so woman, Matt, you would have rather think, her I to think hang she in. Should take the no, money and go. not hang in. To fight like she just yeah. did in Jim okay. Bogart's office. She had him scared. She had him she on did. the damn road. Yeah, okay, but Matt, but wait a second, she, but Matt. This is why then. when you're. When you're Joan in life, thank God you have me as your lifeline. <laughs> because when because being a typical male asshole, playing with the house's money as he could, he was like, I would rather, rather give it to a lawyer. lawyer. And he meant it. He meant it. Yeah. And, that, and that's why Roger said, I know these guys. I'm one of them. I speak their language. Just take the 250 because the guy would rather spend the 250 than the five. You know, and, and I think I'd rather see her go on and have a great life with her son. Hopefully, this new, you know, Romeo. Oh, Richard Solid. Him. He's fantastic. And I'd rather see her. I was like, good. Get a, By the way, being with a, a, a powerful woman in this industry and seeing what she deals with, it was like, oh, deliver me from evil. Get goodbye, assholes. Like, yeah. goodbye, Paul Johansson, who I love. And that was a great get. But it, just despicable. And, and, and I think something they all deal with. So I was glad. I was glad she got the money. I was glad Roger came in and was a, a, a calm friend to say, take the money, go on and get your life. And he had a great, what was his line too? Like, it's, kind of it's, like, it's about nothing but the money. It's, yeah. it's yeah. only about the it's money. It's only about and the he, money. And he so said, you, you know, kind of like you've won anyway. Just, and to me, it's no. like, we got 250. We have our, we have, we are away from these vampires and awful people. But going across the board, it's like everyone is unfortunately from paying her a bit of a perspective. Yeah. She, Roger Sterling failed her well, yet no, again no, today. Yeah, yes. Yeah, now it's that's disappointing a fair point. To L- her. Let me ask you guys a question. And I wonder, it seems to me like Joan is an archetype of an unprotected woman. Like she has, she's put herself uh, just just from the way she was in season one. There's no there's no codified male protector for her in this society. Hmm. That's kind of that's kind of it's so male centric. It's hard for us to keep our heads around it because in, in the society we grew up in, it's evolved so dramatically from this time. But this was male centric society. Yeah, I mean, and and she had no codified male protection. And Roger was really the one we kind of looked to. At, at various times to give her that, but he he did. Okay, but can we see one? Just what? And I, I don't want to step on you. Uh, no, go ahead. So I, I just want to say this: I I saw it different. I actually cheered in my watching this when that bitch of a boss goes from standing and looming over her, but his body language he crumbles and he sits down, mm-hmm. yeah. and she fought him back in such an amazing way. And Matt, the fantastic. Matt, scene. Go, let's go back. Let's come to our neighborhood and let's talk about. ABC star from uh, 
uh, Desperate Housewives, the blonde. Oh, Nicole, Nicolette Sheridan. Okay, who took on them, had all of this, I'll say alleged, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's not even alleged, proof of the... Of abuse. Of abuse, even physical. Mm-hmm. And she lost the case 100%. And that, you guys, is in 2000. Would I, that befuddled my brain because we have the same publicist. And I remember, and this, my publicist always goes back to this even with problems that I have with my girlfriend. Like, listen, <laughs> just remember, the, the big boys don't play. And the fact that she got that guy, to, he wasn't going to get, he said, shut up and go do your job or get out of here. My lawyers will kill you. Right? And when she was done with him, he sat his ass down and he's writing her a check for 250 to do nothing. So I think he got I I see it a little differently that she got a, a victory. It wasn't the total victory, yeah. but for but especially for that time she got she did get some victory and I thought Roger I see I see it different. I saw that Roger uh he's powerless now to you guys. Yeah. He is he is like dead. He's going to yeah. go be with old men on another floor. He's getting bitched out by you know homeboy with mop head in the glasses, <laughs> even like even that guy's <laughs> winning now. It's awful to watch this, you know. Yeah. Like, like I hope he gets some kind of comeuppance, man. That's a oh, Harry Crane's comeuppance is being is Harry life. Crane. Thank you, yeah, great. That's You're it. right. That's but, it. But but to wake but up every Roger day has had his 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 nuts snipped, and that was to me his last act. I I listening to you guys. I hope Roger survives this. I know you mm-hmm. were going over the death thing. I hope that. Um, that uh, uh, Don is not f- jumping off the building. He's, he's not. And marrying All right. oh, Here, I'm, Kevin, I, I thank you for your points, but just go. because of time. No, go. Sterling, I want to hear Please. what you have to say on and this Jones situation. I will listen to us at home. Thank you yeah. again, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just off of that, I agree with what he said, but uh, about the whole Roger and Don thing, they can't really protect Joan at all anymore. Even when that scene with Joan and no. Don in the elevator, and he was like, you know, I'll, I can help you if you want, because he was coming right out of that meeting where they were gassing him up a little bit and made him feel important. That was before he walked in with the 800 the creative right. directors. Yes. The, the 27 creative and directors. she said, you're too important to help me, blah, blah, blah. But so she was really on her own in this. And I just don't think in a huge company like that with hundreds and hundreds of employees with very established men like Jim Hoberg and... Jim Hoberg. Yeah, that they're just not going to give her the respect and status that she had at SCMP. No, they're not. And I'm, I'm just going to give my, my thoughts in this situation, then we're going to quickly go to an iTunes break, and then we're going to come back to Don. Joan Joan is the tragic character of this series. She is someone who, within the confines of the incredibly, even more male-driven society of 1960, ten years earlier, she had some level of power within that office. And it was through encouraging and embodying a lot of the elements that were holding women back at the time. Yes. Now, I understand Kevin's point in the regard that... This is, in many ways, the fact that she can climb so high and still not be able to get what she deserves is ultimately a comeuppance for that behavior and not for what happened in the other woman. What happened in the other woman, even though, granted, takes two to tango, she made the decision to sleep with uh, with Herb from from uh, from oh, Jaguar. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, she made... should have never uh, let that happen, first of all, but also the guys in the office, Don, Roger, should have never... They failed her. By putting it on the table, they failed her. Exactly. 
just it to me that is irrefutable fact did it allow her to build the kind of career that she always deserved was it a bargain with the devil i i am not stipulating that but this is a person who in today's society would be a trailblazer and maybe we wouldn't respect her maybe we would uh demean her or demoralize her because of the way that she looks or the way that she carries herself or the attitude that she had 10 years hence but I don't want to talk about men protecting her. She shouldn't need protecting. She doesn't want to be protected. But when when she comes looking for support, not protection, but support for what she I, already I think, brings to the table, she has failed every okay, time. This, right, I think, I ultimately is the point I'm making is is when she went when that when that was on the table, that was on the table because of who she was. It was on the table because she was Joan. That was not on the table for, that would not be on the table for anybody else who had quote unquote male protection. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like if she was married, that would not be on the table. She was married. Was she still married at the time? Well, she, she might have just gotten divorced. Was out. She, was, yeah. she just got divorced. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, what's, it, what's interesting, and I think you make it a very, very astute point, in that she, what gave her the power that she had at the time is what ultimately becomes her, her, uh, her, uh, what would you call it? Her, uh, her downfall, her yeah, Achilles heel. You're right, 100%. Tragic character. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that, that brought you up is the thing that'll bring you down. Yeah. But, and it's interesting to see the archetypes change. The Peggy Olsons of the world and the other women that came in were much, much more brusque, mm-hmm. much less, not sexual at all. There wasn't anything about them that was overtly sexual. Right. And I, that was, that was careful. And one last point is the piece of advice that, that Roger gives to Peggy is what Joan should have heard at the beginning of this episode. Because every single encounter that she has with a man who is a full-out boorish prat in this episode, she needed to be direct, and she needed to not be afraid of making them uncomfortable. She did that when she was with Jim Hobart, and she all she got as close to winning as any woman up against a man of that size could. But when she was talking to Ferg, there was no discussion of how inappropriate his behavior was. Yeah. There was no discussion of what his behavior was to Jim. Uh, I mean, granted, he could have laughed it off, explained it away, done whatever he wanted to do anyway. And I know it's an impossible situation, and I know the level of pressure, of stigmatism that a woman in that position is able to receive. But if she's willing to risk everything to get what she deserves in that moment, why not say everything? That's a deliberate decision. Well, I think that there there comes to be – there's practicality. There's life. I mean, if you're you're looking at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in nineteen sixty nine money, run eighty three thousand dollars, got you a penthouse right around the corner from from uh, from downtown from uh, from uh, Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a lot of money. It's like one point five million in today's money. So today. you, yeah, so you you yeah, I'll take the money. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you and you, you know, let's talk about security. You need financial security. You you can't rely on Richard or anybody else. You're she's Joan. Mm-hmm. She has decided to go it alone, and it's and it's interesting that they had that flashback that the uh, that the, the scene that they brought up before the episode was when she's telling Peggy to stop dressing like a little girl, and and uh, if you want to be taken seriously, stop yeah. dressing like a little girl, and and I think it's funny that that contrasting that with all the other women that are doing okay at McCann that are getting along, none of them were overtly sexual. But here's the thing: they're not getting along. They're not the 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 opening scene with her and the two female copywriters who come in, you know, like playing nice and and right. laughing and making jokes, trying to get on her business. They are desperate. 
The reason why they call it they'll fight over the crumbs is because they don't get brought to the table at all. With any of the guys. They're praying that this female executive will give them work because it's nearly impossible to make push through the ranks at all. Okay, so you're saying that they have they have they're there. Uh, but they're not give, they're they're at the party, but they're not given access to the they're table. They're props because the yeah. the men don't want any the any part with it. with it. If they sexed themselves up, men would want to uh, men would want to work with them, but in the wrong way. So they right. get Avon or Topaz uh, as as a, as a, hey, we got a shot at something. They see that as an opportunity. One hundred percent. Okay. That's okay. that's how I read it anyway. Well, I, I guess the point I was making was how they were dressed and how they presented themselves. Mm-hmm. Very much more Peggy than Joan. Mm-hmm. And right. and it, it was interesting to see the guys to see this episode just just how they uh, how, how drone is treated. Not even point. like now, Peggy. Like like two years ago, yeah. Peggy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Not 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 the new da- double yeah, double badass the, Peggy that comes ooh, scrolling right, the down the hall. Love me some double double badass Peggy. All right, real quick before we move on, we got to talk about Don. We got to talk about Peggy. We got to talk about Roger and all the people in between. Uh, I just want to talk about iTunes. The best way to support this show is to rate and review the show on iTunes. Okay, it's quick, it's easy. It doesn't cost you a single solitary dime. Not okay, one penny. not one penny. So go to iTunes, rate and review the show, and any of the other shows that you listen to or that you watch on YouTube, because that is how we get our sponsors. That is how we get great guests like. Paul. Paul Johansson last week, and this show is only on the air for two more weeks. So if you want to help us out, if you want to get a shout out here on the show, if you want to be a part of Madman After Show history, then you should go today and rate and review the show or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You get a great shout out here on the show. Uh, let's just see some reviews from Scarlet Knight MI five stars extension of episodes. I love this after show. I try to save it for Wednesday or Thursday so I can have a midweek. Madman, Madman Fix. I listen to several AfterBuzz podcasts on commute. Some are much better than others. This is at the top. All the panelists actually have knowledge of the show and pay attention to not asking questions that were clearly com- explained on the show. Uh, throwing a little shade at our at our, at our brethren. And I love to hear everyone's theories on how Don will add up. So sad. Only a few left, but I loved every second of Madman, and I love this podcast. Uh, might be good from Downey Girl 2. This is somebody who has not listened to any of our podcasts. Um, she could not get through the intro and didn't feel like skipping it, so she gave us a two-star review. Oh. Uh, what was which her is name? Downy Girl 2. Oh, Downy Girl 2, you are a genius. Is that I'm next sorry, girlfriend? I dispersions on people who do dumb things. <laughs> uh, five stars, excellent from 61 Snowflake. Another excellent podcast. Keep up the good work. Brilliant. Five stars from JS Doodles. Fantastic writing. Great cast. I think he's just talking about the show Mad Men. And also our after show. And also our, our after show. Very <laughs> well written. That that surprise Kevin Undergaro cameo. I mean, genius. Uh, enjoyable. Six weeks ago. Yeah. Enjoyable. Five stars from Carmel H. Uh, just started listening, and I'm really enjoying the show. Thank you so much for your ratings and reviews keep them coming please okay so don who he's quickly becoming a cog in a machine he's irrelevant this is a guy who has thrived in the past on being the man with the plan being the guy in charge being the big swinging dick who can come and go as he pleases as long as he has the big idea that changes the game and now he's just another weapon in the fight to make money for this big corporation. He's just part of the grinder. With He's the a boxed yes. He is a boxed lunch. <laughs> yeah. They're all just boxed lunches that can be shipped wherever to just feed someone, to feed a company. Yeah. Roast beef. Roast yes. beef. He's just roast beef. Uh and he's not happy about it. Ted is perfectly okay oh. with it. But what I love most about this scene, so not only do I love this speech which sounds almost like Don Draper light at the top. And Don's zoning out. He doesn't even care. 
And there's so many contradictions in this speech where he's like, he's a very specific kind of man. There are millions of him. Uh, he's everywhere. He's a very specific kind of man with very specific qualities. He comes from Wisconsin. Or Ohio. Or, or, or Minneapolis. Yeah, or, yeah, or anywhere else in exactly. the <laughs> And uh, Don zones out. He sees this plane flying, presumably west, uh, where he is always, always wanting to go back go to west, California. Go west. Everything's better in California. It is. Yeah. A little drier. A little drier. And a little, little warmer. A little warmer. It's, uh, it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he just flat out gets up from the table and walks right out with his roast beef sandwich. And no I, one really notices except for Ted. No one. It just keeps going. No one cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure Jim Hobart Ted did is not, not pleased. particularly surprised either. No. And I love the, the look on his face because he's somebody who knows Don a lot better than, say, a Jim Hobart. Yep. And I feel like he was almost proud of him. I think yeah. he was proud of him. I think that he's like, like he, that's uh, my Don. And, and he saw it coming, too. Like, this yeah. is not a surprise. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, uh, it didn't look like he was shocked. It didn't look like there was anything weird yeah. about it. And he didn't, certainly didn't rush down the hall to be like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. Yeah. Go, no. This is I know that do. this guy doesn't belong here, and I'm glad that he recognizes it, too, before he gets ground down to paste. Period. Uh, so Don hops in his car and just starts driving because he's supposed to take Sally to school. But Sally left with a friend because Sally doesn't call anyone. She just does stuff because she's, she's a teenager and she is inconsiderate. Okay, in they're brain damaged. I read a wonderful article. Their brains don't work right when they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. It's not. This it's is an science. overload of hormones. Yeah. Well, and the, and the prefrontal cortex or whatever part that you know, and all the marijuanas they smoke. Well, you know, the marijuana cigarettes the marijuana, and, and the yeah. crack cocaine. Yes, the jazz cigarettes <laughs> and the crack, the crack cocaine. cocaine. Uh, so he he goes and uh, it's just Betty. At home alone. Um, and Well, Sally might have called the office, but apparently Meredith is a moron, like Betty said. Well, okay, <laughs> Meredith is a moron, but she's also the only moron on the planet who seems to care, care about, about Don, Don Draper. Exactly. Let me just say, Meredith is, is she's tough shit. I like her a lot. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, Jim is in her face. Where is he? And she's like, just putting up the wall. Yeah. I was impressed. Didn't fold, didn't give away an inch. Oh, that was She's I'm just sorry. she's a little hippy dippy marvel. That's a good secretary right there. Like mm-hmm. I'm not giving up an inch for you, my man. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, he gives Betty a massage in what I can assume and it, is it safe to assume that Don will not be interacting with any of the other cast for the rest of the series? I don't I don't know. I think that that's a very safe assumption. So you think Don has been cut loose? I think that I think that I think that is a good assumption. Yeah, because he's had a scene pretty much with everyone at this mm-hmm. point. That was kind of like a goodbye. So barring, one by one. Yeah, barring a time jump, to me, he's out for good. And it, the final two episodes, I don't think he's in next week's episode. I don't think he's in next week's episode. He wasn't, uh, spoiler alert, he wasn't in the preview. He wasn't in the preview. So to me, I think he's not in next week's episode. Next week is the wrap-up for just about everybody else. You can't hang your hat on a a Mad Men preview, though. Mad Men preview is, I mean, it is... Guilty. Guilty, I know. It is the absolute quintessential, we give you nothing. Nothing. You watch it religiously. What is he going to (laughs) say? Right. A bunch of words that have no meaning. Yeah. Stop brushing your hair is the... Don't talk to me. Exactly. Look away. What? Stop brushing your hair was actually a quote from this one. It's 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 bonkers. So he uh, he's off and running, and uh, I personally don't think, barring a time jump, I don't think he interacts with any of the cast again. I like that idea. Um, and I personally, I would love a time jump, but regardless, he uh, 
the funny thing about what's going on with Betty, she is reading. Oh God, what's the, the name Freud. of the book she's reading? Freud. It's, um, uh, hysteria. Something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a book that has. It, Freud considers it one or considered it one of his great failures, and there are so many eerie parallels to Betty's season one yeah, through three behavior. Oh yeah, she's gonna get a lot of interesting insights from this book, and it's just a very, very funny choice to have her be reading it. Yeah, it's funny that she thinks that she can connect with people who are, you know, who go to therapy or whatever it is that she thinks she has that insight. Yeah, well, insight <laughs> has never been her strong suit. Exactly. Uh, so rather than head home, he heads off into the wild blue yonder in pursuit of Diana, who I know so many fans are not a fan of this I'm plot not a line. Fan of that plot line at all. But this is a guy who has been stripped of all other senses of meaning, even the one confirmed sense of meaning that he has, being a parent, having kids, and having responsibility, has been stripped from him by those very kids. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to save this woman. He flat out says it this week. I thought I could save her. Um, And uh, it's just not true. But it's, it's almost like perverse and bizarre that he's going to such lengths what, what for this woman represent? he barely knows. What do you think Diane represents? Diana I, the represents. old Dick Whitman. Or I think probably. she represents him. Yeah. I think she. I think he thinks that if he can save her, he can save himself. He can save himself. Right. Yeah. So, so if he can rescue her, he can rescue himself from, from what he's built around himself. Right. Well, I'm glad that she, he didn't find her. I, that was my only. I agree. <laughs> um, and, you know, how awful for him that this guy comes home. And not only does he immediately see through his BS, he flat out tells him, you're not the first. There have yeah. been others. Yeah. She has been leaving a trail of bodies in her wake. Uh, and I read a great review that was like, sound like anyone we know, Don Draper? Um, mm. And it's it's the truth. Tornado, right? Is it, was it, was it yeah, tornado a tornado or? leaving bodies in her wake. Yeah. And uh, now this is a guy free of purpose, not wanting to go home, no home to go home to. His apartment's not even ready. He's been staying in a hotel, living out of a bag, and this office is nowhere to go to. His kids don't want anything to do with him, so where does he go? Anywhere. And he picks up a hitchhiker and he heads towards St. Paul, Minnesota. I hope that he's heading towards the coast. Any other Don stuff you want to talk about? I read some reviews that were saying that he's probably just going to get murdered by the hitchhiker and then that's the end of his storyline. That is ridiculous. Like, that is the that, worst. Can you imagine how much hate mail? <laughs> Matthew like, that is probably get. the worst. Can prediction. you imagine? I mean, I would write hate mail. I've never written hate mail in my life. I would write them every week. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets murdered. By the, not by that, not by the hitchhiker. Oh. oh! But I honestly think it's a very reasonable possibility that in the series finale, he gets murdered. For by what? what? By who? By anyone. Life if, is, but if, listen, life is random. Life if, is random and he finally, finally. This show works. This show's never about random murders. May, this is, no, not about random murders, but random acts of happenstance have totally happened. You Remember the foot getting getting clobbered in that season three episode yes. by the tractor? Listen, let me just let me explain my point. And you can tell me that I'm dead wrong. I, I, I just don't get on a tractor. He won't get on a tractor, and the guy wasn't on a tractor. He was next. Yes, to a tractor. he was next to a tractor. Okay, he was tractor adjacent. Yes, you never want to be tractor adjacent. Let's just say that that's clear. So, Don, after spending a life running away from his life and trying to fill it with things that seemingly have meaning for him, recognizing that none of them do, he makes the alternate choice, much like he did at the end of season two, which 
forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there is an episode titled Shangri-La at the end of season two when he, I, I know the I finale is right. Meditations in an Emergency, but I, leave the, I believe the episode before that is called Shangri-La. Uh, this is a guy who's finally pursuing his bliss, and I think that life will betray him for it. I personally think that that's a, a reasonable and uh, shocking and maybe a little unsatisfying way for it to end, but I think that it would be thematically on point. It's not the one that I want, but I think it's a possibility worth throwing out there. If, if the idea here is wanderlust, right? If, 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 if the idea here is that, that here's a man who selected an identity for himself, took that identity, created a life, abandoned the life, succeeded enormously in his chosen profession. Mm-hmm. His personal life has, has been a shambles ever since he since he walked away from his family, which was not making him ever happy. Ever since he started his family. So in his pursuit of personal happiness on the back of a, a false identity, he's, he's, he's been tremendously successful in his professional career, but in his personal life it's been a mess. But his version of a mess is a 12-year-old adolescent fantasy, right? It's been, your mess is everybody else's dream, mm-hmm. right? So we, but, but it's not his anymore, right? So he's been completely cut, he's been completely severed from everything. He's completely adrift. And, and we're referencing the, uh, the Lost Horizons when the book is about Shangri-La. It's about uh, an English guy who goes up to, to this monastery in Tibet, to this lamastery, pardon me, and, and where they have, they have, they're secretly, they're, all, they're, they're collecting all the knowledge in the world and the, and the expectation that everybody else, all the violent people, are going to destroy the world again. And when they're exhausted by war, they'll be able to turn to the, the Lamastery and say, what have you got for us? And so the idea is that this man has found this knowledge place and chosen to live there. And and the the uh, getting all this knowledge has given them extended lives. They live a long time in this utopian uh, little society that they've created. So if that's the name of the episode and Don is on a journey... You can't get killed. <laughs> if that that would be horrible. That would be what would be the purpose? Matthew, you better not have done that. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say about that. All that leading up to a murder that can't be. He's, he's, he's pursuing knowledge, right? Isn't he pursuing what what is his truth, his happiness? He is pursuing his truth and his happiness. And I love the parallel from your description of the book to what he's actually doing because he is somebody who he's realized that there is no meaning in anything else, and that is this knowledge place. He's allowing everyone else to tear the world apart, trying to make money and climb the ladder and build a family, but none of it will hold any meaning for him. And he is trying to find something else that does hold some meaning uh i'm I'm not disputing that i do want to point to a a moment in the episode that both cues his exit and may also cue uh whatever the final act of this show is whether it's brutal or not and that is the envelope that meredith offers him an envelope of all the things that were left in uh in his office or in his apartment whatever and it's just an envelope full of cash his Don Draper security, his social security number, and his wife's engagement ring. And he has that on him when he decides to leave. It's his fuel. And uh, if he sells that engagement ring and he keeps that cash, he could be Dick Whitman for a little while. It was, it was Dick Whitman's social security number, right? It was no, Draper, it was Don Draper's Draper. social security card. Oh, it was card. Don's. Yeah. It was Don's. Okay. But it also, that's all the materials for someone to, for someone to take his identity again after murdering him. 
Oh. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Next week's episode. So uh, in the car with Burt Cooper, great appearance. Uh, yeah. He, he, they talk about riding the rails like a hobo. And I'm trying to remember what the name of mm. next week's episode is. Um, but it is also hobo and railway related. Mm. And uh, so maybe Don is in next week's episode. Maybe so I'm saying, wrong. You're saying the recipe for a random murder and identity <laughs> theft is a social security card, an engagement ring, and, and at least $10 in cash. At least. At least. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that this is not going to be a. This is. I hope this is not a recipe that's going to be followed because I don't want to see this. I don't want to see how these cookies come out. This is fair enough. Part of. Uh, All right, we got to talk about Peggy and Roger, and unfortunately, we only have ten minutes to Uh. do so. Uh, Just a fantastic set of scenes between the two. Uh, The eerie organ playing and then revealing Roger was so wonderful. I love great filmmaking. Can I ask a question? Am I? Was there ever an organ in? No, I don't yeah. think so. No, there and wasn't. There wasn't, right? It just no. appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, They're this is a brand new thing. What do you got there? That's, I'm that's like, is the that organ. the piano he was playing in blackface like six years ago? Well, I, I no, it can't be, right? Yeah. There was a piano. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't <laughs> know why there's an, an organ, organ there. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely, positively absurdist. Uh, and he asked Peggy to go get him some liquor, and she refused, and she's like... Would you drink? Uh, would you drink some vermouth? And if I'm not wrong, <laughs> they she was gifted that vermouth earlier in the season, like a couple episodes ago. I could be completely off base about that, but that's what I remember. Oh no, it's because they shot the Cinzano commercial uh, like three yes. episodes right. ago. I think yeah. you're right. Right, uh, and uh, he she says you don't want. A friend, or you don't want a coworker, or whatever. You want an audience, and at this company, at McCann Erickson, which he is avoiding like the plague, he won't have an audience because he's unimportant. They put him on a floor with all the other old guys. That he says it's a nursing home, and that's true. He has no value anymore because he no longer has people to listen to what he has to say. It's sad. It's really sad for this guy. Well, you remember that this this whole thing was his last hurrah anyway. Remember how how complacent he was with Lucky Strike Mm -hmm. and how he, you know, he's got all the money in the world. He could have just walked away at any time. Right. But he messed up. He got drawn into competition with Jim Cutler. He hated that he was feeling irrelevant. So he sold out the company. And guess what, Roger? You're still irrelevant. That's it. That's right. And now you don't have a legacy on top of your irrelevancy. Irrelevance. Sorry. Irrelevancy is maybe not a word. Uh, showing showing my, my lack of age here. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so you're fine. Peggy and Roger rarely ever have scenes together, right. and it's a really dynamic pair. I think because of our lack of exposure to this dynamic, I loved her rollerblading around the office while he played the organ. Um, she, Where did she, the rollerblades come from? The I don't know. Well, they were not rollerblades. They were roller skates. Uh, they were roller, roller skates. skates. Four, one, two, three, four. That's a, what you That's know. a roller skate. That's a roller skate. She's going real slow on those roller skates. Um, and, of course, she now has been gifted Burt Cooper's uh, Octopus Pleasuring a Woman painting. I believe it's the the fisher the Fisherman's Wife's Dream or Dream of a Fisherman's Wife. Like that, yeah. yeah. Dream of a Fisherman's Wife. Dream of I a Fisherman's right. Wife. And uh, he tells her, don't make them comfortable. That Why would you do that? That's a yeah. stupid idea. And she walks into that office with oh so gosh. much swag. I'm just like, you swag out, Peggy Olsen. You <laughs> yeah. swag out and you never stop. Oh, I love she it. Got that the was amazing. Dangling Ray Bans. Better not get in her way. Uh-uh. Shit. Back up, bitches. Oh, I loved it. Love, love, love. I, I don't. I can't imagine there's a single Madman fan who didn't love that moment. Um, and I'm so sad that we won't get to see probably these two together ever again. Uh, 
And also, the mystery of who Roberta is. I've been racking my brain, because I could have sworn that he mentioned a Roberta at some point over the course of this show. But uh, through all my research, no one else knows who Roberta Roberta. is either. Wherever she was, she left an impression. Yes, she did. So what do you think that scene at the end where when Peggy's walking into McCann means for her future there? Because if if we go off what Joan just experienced there, I mean, she's even less... Has less status there, mm-hmm. so I just, do you think she'll run into the same problems as Joan? Or oh, do you I think, think she'll so. Be able to succeed, Jim there? Hobart. Jim Hobart flat out uh, said to Don. Jim and Ferg uh, basically said to Don that they were going to be curtailing her responsibilities anyway. Right. I think that she's in for a fight, but to me, this is the signifier from Matthew Weiner that she's game for that fight and that she ain't going to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, to me, she's not looking at this as anything but a stepping stone. I yeah. mean, she's had a headhunter, headhunter working for her mm-hmm. now for uh, two seasons. Has she yeah. had him around? Uh, and, and, you know, he, he said, take the, take the offer at McCann. Because that's going to give you the best stepping stone. It's going to give you the best name, yeah. and 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 that's that's going to give her the the ability to move forward. She wants to have her own company. Mm-hmm. That's what she's going to do. That's what she told Roger, and she'll do it. There's yeah. no question in my mind. Well, I would be she'll- fine if that's the last scene we see of Peggy of mm-hmm. this series, just because it is such a powerful ending image. Of you know you have a lot of hope for her future. You know that she's not going to give up this fight. It's a happy ending for Peggy at this moment. I yeah, think. And, and you know something that's worth note. She can navigate in weird situations where Joan can't. You know she has she has an ability to get along and to move and to move through systems that Joan simply cannot do. I mean, there's there's no way around it. You know, Joan is Joan is backed into a corner by who she is mm-hmm. and and frankly what she is. I mean, guys, we'll, we'll take a look at Joan in that in this era, and there's never going to be a time when they're not going to think of her in a sexual way. And with with Peggy, that's not an issue she's dealing with at all. So she's right. able to she's able to negotiate in a different way. Well, I think that there's there's also a difference in how they approach the work. I mean, look at look at Peggy this episode and how she refused to come to McCann until they gave her an office. Right, she is an absurd. A level of almost like an addiction to professionalism. She is a professional. She will argue her point, but she will always remain a professional in the job above all else versus Peg, versus Joan, who in many ways, she feels that she has earned the right to be yes. done with this crap. Yes. Right. And she's and, not going to put up with it anymore. And Peggy's not in that position. And Peggy, frankly, the other thing going on is Peggy doesn't have a $500,000 or $250,000 or $3 million buyout. True. Peggy is there to sweat because Peggy doesn't, she doesn't own a piece of anything. So she, you know, you're, it's a, it's a very different mindset. If you have a, a piece of something, you own mm-hmm. it. There's a comfort that comes with that, and Peggy doesn't have that. And and, and so yeah, she's going to be prepared to go left and right and zig and zag. And so she approached it that way. So when they didn't have her office ready for her, she thought it strategically. She thought, well, well what am I going to do? I can't go in there and sit in the pool. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let them see me working in the pool because mm-hmm. that's how they always think of me. So no, right? Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Ah! It is time, however, for predictions. <laughs> Sterling, we'll start with you. Oh, gosh. What do you think? Well, I still think that Roger is probably going to die. Okay. Uh, although I don't want him to, because, I mean, who wants Roger to die? But I feel like they brought up his heart thing again today, last night. Mm-hmm. They keep bringing it up every week, so I feel like that's definitely on the table. Um, I want Peggy to get Stan's phone number on the 14th floor, yes. and that to be a thing. That's always my prediction, yes. and I'll stand by it. And... 
I don't know. And also, aside from that, I kind of want Joan and Peggy to start their own, like, female power ad agency. That would be great. I'd love to see that. That's what we should call it, too, the female power ad agency. And uh, I, I don't know. Probably not in 1969. Um, <laughs> uh, here's what I got. Uh, you want to hear from me? Yes. I'm going to tell you then. Um, I don't think Don is going to die. And I, don't I don't think, think he's. De- I definitely don't think he's going to get murdered. And I don't think Roger's going to die. I don't think it's going to happen because that would be incredibly unsatisfying and no, no fun at all. Um, I think that Don is going to find his spot. I think he's going to find. He's going to find a. Uh, I think we're going to be led, led to the very edge of Don seeing the path. That he could take. Not that he's going to be there, because that would that would be ridiculous. That would be a fast forward, uh, uh, what you call it, um, uh, Will and Grace ending. But <laughs> um, but I think that we'll I think we'll get like the, we'll, we'll see that hopeful glimmer at the end of it where he sees he sees his way through to where he ought to be, where he could be. Okay. Personal prediction: Next week, Don gets robbed. The Don Draper Social Security Guard gets stolen. Ooh. And having no choice and no money, he must admit that he is, in fact, Dick Whitman. Ooh. Okay, I get that. And spends that the finale as Dick Whitman. That's just a pie-in-the-sky whatever thought. I think that's, that's doable, though. Some that that is, that's a legit, that's yeah, a legit that's possibility legit, yeah. there. And has to face his identity for the first time in years because, frankly, he has no other options. And uh, maybe he goes to, to prison for impersonating another man, for for messing up well, during the so Korean many War. many enormous laws that were broken. Yes, so yeah. many, so many laws. I don't think people would be happy with Don Draper in a jail cell either. No, I don't want to see Don Draper in a fast-forward montage of, 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 of judge, jury, sentencing, prison. I don't want to see that either. But if we skip past his, say, 30-year sentence, and he comes out as a 70-year-old in, uh, on the eve of 9-11, oh, and, he, gee whiz. and yeah. he, goes and, he goes and meets Peggy, who is now the queen of advertising yes. in her high-rise in Manhattan, and, and then they then they then they climb to the top of the the twin towers and then that's and then the next and they speaking sleep there. of things that are probably not tr- going to happen or true that scene with Peggy and Roger was kind of with the roller skates and the the organ was kind of dreamlike like, like yes. when Bert keeps coming back yeah. so what if Roger's already dead and that was her like imagining oh, no. him there oh, no. like Bert yeah, I mean does. it would explain why there were roller skates and, and an, an organ. organ why are you obsessed with killing people no. <laughs> he wasn't already dead though because yeah. he came and saw Joan. And he oh, gave yeah, Joan advice, true. unless he came and gave advice from beyond the from grave. Beyond the grave. just weird editing. That's all, all right. right. North Carolina. <laughs> all right, folks, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Mad Men After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. We will be back next week and the following week for the final two episodes of this fantastic series. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Sterling Cates, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sterling Cates. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Joe Flippo, J-O-E-F-L-I-P-O, and uh, doing a couple shows here. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. That's M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. You can find me here doing Orphan Black as well. Uh, and you can visit LieberFriends.com to uh, get to my YouTube channel where I post advice content four days a week. Uh, and, of course, SourceFed and SourceFed Nerd. I want to thank you so much for joining us. See you next week. Good night. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz see you later. later.
The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.